Welcome to Break Room Chats, the podcast of the New Professionals Community of Practice within the Library Leadership and Management Association, a division of the American Library Association. My name is Elspeth Olson, and I am a librarian and archivist based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Today, I'm speaking with Dana G. about short-term employment in special collections. Dana began the path to librarianship through book selling, working at specialty, used, and rare bookstores on and off for two decades. She got her MLIS online in 2009 and has worked at a museum library as librarian archivist and has been in various term positions since 2015. She's currently a project cataloger in special collections for Haverhill Public Library in Massachusetts. She's cataloging a collection of historical photographs for the Center Digital Archive. Welcome. Thank you. So you gave me a little bit of uh, your background, but tell me a bit about how you find yourself in the position you, you're currently in. When I started um, in library school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to specialize in or if I wanted to specialize in anything. And my background had included most recently uh, working in a rare bookstore in Boston at Boston Book Company. And I had a wonderful mentor there, Helen Kelly. Um, and I, I wanted to work with special collections. I think I always kind of knew that, but um, in an online environment, I didn't, I didn't focus on that. I was sort of gaining a broad base of understanding of what, what I would like to do. And I, after I graduated, it was about two and a half years before I found full-time employment. And during that time, I was looking for uh, work in bookstores or libraries. When I found the um, American Bookbinders uh, Museum job, that was something that um, I had never considered was a museum library. And it was, a, it was a great experience. It was before the museum opened. And uh, I sort of dived in to special collections in that way by working um, for a small museum. And I think coming from rare books, I had familiarity with the materials. Um, so I was, I had a good background, I think, for someone looking to work in special collections. So um, I found that most of the jobs uh, that were involved with those materials were in academia. So I was sending out a lot of resumes to universities. Um, and uh, my first term position was with the university. So uh, that's, um, that's how I began. Yeah, I guess we should say for full disclosure for anybody who's been listening for the run of this particular podcast, I, I am one of your successors at the American Bookbinders Museum. Yes. Um, and that's how we originally connected. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you found this um, working with a museum collection has similarities with other special collections work, but because there are also objects involved, it, it's it's a different type of cataloging sometimes. So you're gaining experience in, in different types of software, different types of cataloging and uh, accessioning. And, and I found preservation, <laughs> yes. So um, I have not had preservation training, so I, I'm not in the field of conservation. But um, I do work with people who who do that work, and I find that um, sometimes the positions require a little of each. And yeah. um, I don't know if you've had that at the museum, but. Um, 
one of the things I thought of when I started to apply for jobs was just how I was going to find a position locally because I didn't have money to relocate. And um, so I was looking in the Bay Area um, at the time. And I did uh, intern briefly at the Internet Archive. Um, I was finding, while I was looking for jobs, I was doing internships and volunteer work for, you know, various small projects. Yeah. So we, we've talked a little bit on and off uh, away from the recording about short-term employment. Um, both of us are quite interested in following what's been going on at UCLA. Uh, yes. Do you, you want to explain that for the the, the record? Um, I believe it was about uh, a little less than a year ago. Um, my understanding is that there were uh, temporary archivists at the UCLA libraries who um, were advocating for um, changes in the, the term position situation or hiring. Um, and they wrote a, a letter um, outlining um, how they felt the term employment um, could damage or, you know, negatively affect the university and the employees. Um, yeah, and they I, were lucky enough to have the backing of a union. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I don't know that that has been resolved. I'm um, when I heard about the UCLA letter, it was um, I believe on a listserv or, or something related to SAA, um, and that six uh, temporary archivists had written a letter to the library um, advocating for changes in the temporary hiring situation because of various negative impacts that this process this. Um, this process had on both the institution and the employees. Um, and that was, I think, in June of last year. Yeah. And, I bring um, it up because this is an issue that we're all aware of, but they went really public with it. And so it started a larger conversation once again, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a result. One of the articles that we've both seen indicates that this is something that comes up as a conversation every now and then. Um, and it's been an issue for quite some time. But it's it seems to be growing more significant for a variety of reasons, between funding crises and, uh, frankly, professional programs flooding the job market. Yes, and um, mostly uh, universities, but also you know federal contracts. Um, I'm in a public library, so I'm in kind of an unusual situation because um, this is a, a project that has uh, an outside donor um, with a public library, which is uncommon. But in academia, I see this all the time. And um, I've had term jobs ranging from three months to, uh, you know, my current position, I've been there for two years. But um, yeah, the, the time period can be quite short. I've seen, you know, three month positions advertised frequently. Yeah. So there are a couple categories of of people involved in this, and I really see it breaking down as employers, employees, and the patrons themselves. And so I, I'd like to, to talk a little bit about each of those groups um, in terms of what they gain and what they lose okay. regarding short-term employment. 
So let's start with the employers. What do you think they gain by posting and these short positions and hiring the employees, and what do you think they lose? Well, you've got the expertise that you're getting from uh, employees who may have worked on a number of these collections just by the nature of that type of work. Um, the employer is saving money on a basic level by, you know, um, you're not paying benefits or possibly health care. Every, every situation is different, but often uh, term employees do not have that kind of benefit to their contract. Um, and the employees that they, that they have may be working for um, less than a librarian position would be. And sometimes, um, as I think it was mentioned in the UCLA letter, you're doing the same work at the same level. Yeah. I worry about the loss of um, institutional knowledge. Yes, because when the project is over, the person with the expertise is leaving, and that can affect the other employees as well. You know, you've yeah. built relationships and shared knowledge with the people who are your colleagues, and then and when your term is up, you know, the institution loses that knowledge. You're, you're right. And um, also, I think there's time spent recruiting people on, um, you know, the institution is doing searches and uh, interviews. And then when the person is hired, there's training. So there's a lot invested in bringing a term employee in. Um, the institution is, is putting uh, effort doing this over and over again as these people's contracts expire and they bring in new employees. Yeah. On the other hand, there is something to be said for fresh eyes within an institution. And so maybe they think that they're gaining, like you said, people who have this kind of experience with lots of different kinds of projects. Maybe they think they're getting more innovation, more creativity, and people who aren't set in the ways of that particular institution. That is a value to, to bringing in people who may be new to the collection and may have a different viewpoint you know, from people who've been working with it uh, up to that time. And that can be a, a collaboration between the people who are contract workers who are bringing fresh eyes and the people who have been um, working with it to that point. So um, I agree completely with that. Yeah. Some of the articles have also indicated that, you know, while it's not ideal, this is the way that a lot of large institutions are able to get funding to deal with their backlog. And I mean, I remember from library school being shocked to learn that a lot of large institutions measured their processing backlog in terms of the number of years it would take to do it. Yes, and um, in in many institutions, it's project-based. You have yeah. funding for a specific collection or a specific you know, project and what what the temporary employees are often doing is providing access to collections that have been backlogged or inaccessible for a, a, a long time. So these are really valuable um, employees, pe people who are doing important work for these institutions, making this accessible. Yeah, this is what the hidden collections grants are for, right? Yes, I mean, if if you're trying to if something has been minimally cataloged um, and or has not been cataloged at all, it's not usable. 
So especially in special collections, when you have, you know, manuscripts or documents and things that have not uh, been provided, that, that, that don't have access in the collection, no one can discover it. So it's important to get these projects funded, and they often are, but the employee is there for that period, and they don't continue to work with that collection once the term is up. Yeah. So let's let's move on from the employers and talk about the employees themselves. What do you think they gain and lose by short-term employment? I think um, the benefit of having a wide variety of experience, you know, you're working with interesting material. Um, these are projects that um, often are funded because it's, it's important that these collections are accessible because of, um, I, I guess it's, it's more the fact that you can work with a, a, a large number of um, different types of material, different types of collections. I'm working with photographs right now. And when I was at the museum, I was working with uh, texts on book binding. You know, I've worked um, with sheet music also. And projects that get funded um, for short terms, often I think it allows us to, as temporary employees, to structure the work so that we can get the most done you know, during the time period that we have. And that has taught me a lot about, you know, workflow and how to manage a project, even though I'm not a project manager. Um, and I've also had the experience of the people who have been working with the collections previously and have been mentored by those people in order to process, the, you know, the material that I have. So um, I've 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 had um, really good experiences as far as a mentorship relationship. So that that brings to an interesting point because there's there's two categories of employees who are involved in this. There are the people who are hired for hired for the term employment, and then there are the permanent employees that they join. Mm -hmm. Do you think right. that they experience the pros and cons differently? I think it's difficult when, you know, you, you're working with someone who may be a term employee and that person is contributing and to the to the project and they have the institutional knowledge that is the loss when they're gone. Um, I think it's also demoralizing to have people coming and going. Um, I've read that in the UCLA letter and I know that um, you're trying to build, you know, a, a department. And often, I think, when people are coming and going, you don't have that continuity. You don't have that strength. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I haven't thought about it from the morale perspective of the permanent employees. I think um, in my experience, it was hard for me to leave, you know, working with these wonderful people that I had met um, gave me a lot of support and a lot of encouragement. It was difficult. And um, I think from their perspective, they had invested time in training me and helping me to work on the material. So it, it's not, um, and then, you know, they'll have to train someone new if the, con if the same collection is going to continue to be processed or if there's a new project. So it's a, it's turnover for them as well. Yeah. As 
So the third category that I was thinking of in, in preparing for this conversation are the patrons themselves. And this is a particularly interesting one, I think, within special collections because of the really growing momentum of changing how special collections is perceived by the, the users, making it more welcoming, more approachable, um, and just making it more a bit more user-focused than it has been traditionally. And so, what do you think the patrons actually gain and lose by this use of term employees? The patrons who are researchers, I think, like um, like many researchers, benefit from having a relationship with the librarians that are working on the material. You know, having a conversation. What is what are uh, they looking for? What is discoverable? Things that are discovered in the course of research that um, you may want to highlight that you may not have known about before. Um, mm. So for, um, for a researcher to, to be, be able to have uh, a connection with the person who's processing the material, I think is important. Um, I don't know how you felt about that when you were at the museum, but um, it, if there are uh, people that you see using the collection and you see a certain part of it being used more than others, you can, not only track that data, but you might want to talk to the people who are your patrons. I mean, what what is it about this collection that is important to you? What are you working on? Um, just having that dialogue. Yeah, not so much at the museum, but in other positions I've held, it was also beneficial to know how to connect them to other collections that would be useful for their research that may not have been immediately evident from the available catalog records, if right. you know the collection well. Mm -hmm. And that goes for, you know, your colleagues as well, who may have insights that you may have not known about. It's collaborative, I think, putting patrons together with the research materials. Yeah. So we, we've kind of, I think neither of us are totally decided in our answer to what I'm going to ask next. Do you see this trend of short-term employment in special collections as a problem or an opportunity? I, I see it as something that um, is going to be harder to negotiate for the people in the profession. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever said to you, where do you see yourself in five years' time? And I hate that I, question with a burning okay. passion. It's hard to answer. I mean, I see myself employed. That's about as far as I can get. Um, I mean, I, I find that when I look at the job market, there are more of these positions than I used to see. And it may be good that universities are getting funding to process more collections. I think that's important that the grants are getting funded and the material is becoming accessible. Um, and in my experience, I think it's harder for people to plan, you know, their futures when you may be insecure uh, in your employment between not being able to save because you have a job gap coming up, or if, if you were going to relocate, where would you be, you know, if you could do that or, um, I, th I think it's more feasible for universities to hire short term, but um, it would be 
I would like to see what happens with UCLA, with UCLA because um, not everyone has the benefit of a union in these situations. Yeah, that's definitely true. There have been some interesting um, articles and so on on the issues of employment instability, um, in particular one that got passed around Twitter uh, not too long ago that I will share a link to on the Facebook page for the New Professionals community. Um, just talking about some of the, the financial and even just psychological ramifications of this kind of instability as well as the issue uh, that we have in our pr profession of vocational awe, that we're supposed to find this as a calling and really sacrifice for it um, and not demand certain <laughs> benefits like other professions get, like, you know, adequate pay. But one of the um, things yeah, that I, I, one of the things that, that reminded me of that recently was just thinking about um, retirement and not being able to save for retirement because you may have, you know, the need to fund uh, your your next job gap or health insurance or any of those those things that are often a part of other jobs. Yeah. And um, just the, the the stress of of that type of uncertainty can be um, really difficult to deal with, and you may not always have the resources to um to address it for sure yeah. all these all these things that millennials are supposed to be killing you know could we turn our attention to this please yeah i mean um think think of it in in terms of you know i see a lot of industries doing this now it's not just libraries and for sure the the, the gig economy part of it is you know, is really hard for a lot of people to deal with, and it makes a lot of a lot of things unstable. And if you're if you're in an urban area and the rents are higher, and you're you know you're trying to figure out how you're going to stay in your apartment between your next job gap, that's really stressful. And if you're not in an urban area, your options for employment are often more limited. Right, and relocation is not provided for these jobs um, yeah. so it's it's um it's i think the the stress is what um i know i have um i and friends who have done these jobs have dealt with and um it's i have to have like a a good self-care plan to um you know, and and a and a way to to handle the stress um, so that it doesn't negatively affect my work or you know my living situation or any of those things. What do you do? Um, I I do try and stay connected with other people who are you know peers in the profession, and um, sometimes if I can uh, manage professional development. That could be really invigorating. I found that I had a couple of opportunities uh, the past couple of years to do uh, workshops and, um, you know, conferences that um, sort of put me in touch with the, the things that I was working on. And I was really grateful for that. And I self-funded those and um, with, with some help from one institution. 
and it was um, it just made me feel more connected. Um, sometimes in these jobs, I think you can feel isolated um, if you're, for example, the only term person. And yeah. um, I don't know if that's been your experience, but um, also I, I, I try and stay um, up on things like the UCLA situation. I try and follow um, SAA or ALA, um, although I'm not always able to afford to keep my membership up, which is another thing. It's, it's a real problem. Yeah. And oftentimes, I've—I mean, in my experience, it hasn't been so much being the only term person as being the only person. Period. Yes, and a lot of these positions, you may find yourself as the solo, you know, archivist or, or librarian. Um, I have been really lucky in that uh, the people that I've worked with um, in all of my term positions have been super supportive, and I could feel like I could ask questions. I don't know um, if you've ever had the experience of, you know, being in a position where you felt like you couldn't ask questions because you were supposed to, you know, just get the processing done. But I've, I've found that um, each, each time I've, I've been able to succeed has been with the support of the people that I'm working with who were not term people. Yeah. Well, this leads us pretty naturally into a, uh... To my next question, which is, do you have advice for people who are currently applying for or engaged in short-term employment? Um, I would, I would say, find out what your resources are as far as um, you know. How far can you travel? Like, how long do you need to to plan ahead? Um, often, if you don't know until the last minute whether your term will be renewed. Um, that's hard. That makes it very difficult to sort of plan where you're going to be and um, look for job. I would say look for jobs that um, broaden your skill set. You may not think you're qualified for a certain position, but um, you know if if you're if you're lucky enough to land the job, you can make make a you know just make yourself more knowledgeable in areas that you might not have had experience in before. So I said, I would say, don't limit yourself to just what you've already done. Um, and look for um, training experiences. Um, I would say uh, workshops, webinars, things that um, can connect you to other people who are also working on projects like yours. Um, and to help with the isolation, there are some great social media library-related communities. I mean, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook. You know, the ALA Think Tank is is very supportive. The various chats on Twitter are great. Instagram is a great place to, to build a network, just showing off what you're working on. Yeah, exactly. And special collections, that's very important, you know, that you get your collection out there. And it's fun. Yeah, and and you know, blog about what you're doing. Make sure make sure that um, you're if you can publish anything about what you're doing, um, get it out there. You know, you're you're doing excellent work. You want people to be able to access the materials, but you also, you know, want to be part of that community. That's that's in the profession. Um, I I think 
publishing, whether it's on social media or online, um, doing a podcast or starting a podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> or, or going to a conference. It can be hard to fund them sometimes, especially if they're out of the area. But look for your local state uh, conferences. You know, there are local library associations that may be more accessible than a national conference. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps us up. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, I have covered. <laughs> I think I think the podcast that you provide is a wonderful resource and it connects people who may not, you know, be able to talk to each other uh, about subjects like this. And thank you. There's so there's um there's something to be said for starting you know being a pioneer and <laughs> i really i really think that all of us who do this kind of work are, are very proud of it and find great value um uh, in what we do it's just um it's it's precarious sometimes and i'm i'm really happy to be doing what i'm doing um i love my project i have great colleagues um and i'm I'm hopeful that I can continue to do the same type of work um, in special collections. It's really what I love. Well, that's a lovely place to end. It's great that you love what you're doing. That makes a, a lot of things worthwhile. So if folks have questions or employment opportunities for you, where can they find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, uh, it's uh, metadana, D-H-G-E-E. One, and um, that's that's pretty much where um, I, I I am on social media. And would you like to share anything about your your current project, where people can learn more about it? Uh, Haverhill Public Libraries in Haverhill, Mass. Um, H a v e r h i l l uh, p l dot org, and special collections page has a link to the Center, S-E-N-T-E-R, Digital Archive, which is a collection of negatives and photographs um, related to Haverhill and the surrounding area from, you know, the mid-19th century to the present. And we've cataloged, uh, there's about 9,000 photographs online at this point. Wow. Uh, so there, um, it's a great collection. It's, it's really, it's been such a pleasure to work with it. And the the special collections room is open um, eight hours a week for people who want to come and do research, but the online uh, collection is available 24 hours a day. Well, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me, and uh, best of luck to you. Thanks, Elspeth. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Breakroom Chats. To continue the conversation, find the New Professionals community on Facebook or on Twitter at llama underscore new pros. To reach the Breakroom Chats team directly, email us at nps.brc at gmail.com. And if you like us, rate us on iTunes. See you next time for more Breakroom Chats. <laughs>